0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. I I consider it a real privilege to be able to share with you all at a service like this. I've been getting to know Dave for just over a year now, Uh, as he's been in the process of uh, our accredited ministry formation. uh, That is a recognition of, uh, a movement-wide recognition of God's calling on somebody's life uh, into the vocation of pastoral ministry. It's the process by which we accredit pastors and and then ordain pastors and recognise that calling in a formal way that we're part of a tradition that has certain values expressed in certain ways. And it's just such a breath of fresh air to me personally to see that bearing fruit in this place this morning. And I just want to thank you for, for having me and inviting me to share this morning. I'm looking forward to just the rest of our time together. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, Nick entering that process as well. It's been good to begin getting to know you, mate, and I look forward to doing that over the next couple of years as well. At a commissioning service such as this, and at one in which there have already been many words said and prayed and sung and thought... I'm keen not to dilute nor exaggerate the significance of what's already taken place. But I want to treat the opportunity with the respect it deserves. And so given the much that has already been said, I don't want to say too much. So may what follows be a word of blessing and encouragement to you. Three words of blessing and encouragement to you. And the first word I want to give you might surprise you because it's a very short word. Guaranteed, you say it numerous times, nearly every day. It's a word of interruption. I'm going to call it a disruptive conjunction. I think I actually... Gave, oh yeah, I, I, that's what I called this sermon. That's helpful. <laughs> However, before we get to this disruptive conjunction, before you find this word in the 31st Psalm, which is our starting text this morning, you'll find a number of complaints and laments about the circumstances of the psalmist's life. The psalmist says this, he says, I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak because of all my enemies. I am the utter contempt of my neighbours and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. You think you're having a bad day. (laughs) I'm forgotten as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery for I hear many whispering terror on Every side. Before we get to the first word that I'll get to, I want to recognize that in our gatherings as communities of faith, we've been given the freedom to do what the psalmist does, and that is to get it out. It out. You know what I'm saying? We've got a lot of it in, and we need context by which we get it out. Now, Sunday morning might not be the most helpful place for that. But when we gather in small groups, in people who we, amongst people who we know and who know us, we get to say how it is. Part of the point of gathering together as people of faith journeying together is to describe reality from our perspective. And when necessary, we have to be real, to lament, to grieve. It's always been a practice of the church to do this. Two-thirds of the Psalms are Psalms of Complaints. And we need to belong to a community that says, yes, I I see that pain. I see you. And we honour people in pain by acknowledging their experience of it. And then we say, we love you too much to leave you there, to wallow in that pain. Because there's a word that we must say together like the psalmist. And that word is the word you find in the 14th verse of this psalm. It interrupts so much like our children interrupt us. And I, I love that. We celebrate noise here. It's this word. But... The psalmist says, I would trust in you, but I will say you are my God, but my days are in your hands. When we come together in all sorts of ways, we must be committed to describing the reality of our circumstances. We must learn to be honest people. We must say how we feel. That is the tradition to which we belong. We articulate our anxieties, whatever they are about the state of our world, the election around the corner, the horror of the war in Ukraine. Many people have articulated that they've felt close to being crushed by fatigue from the anxieties of our pandemic. And if not that, then perhaps just the utter insanity of our property market. Or perhaps the more banal, can any of us really understand what crypto is? I mean, there's no shortage of things to be confused about in this life. And then we must interrupt one another with the disruptive conjunction. But we will trust in you. But we will say you are our God. But we will say our days are in your hands. Now, that's a great statement of humility, if you'll stop and think about it. That none of us, by multitasking or strategizing or sheer hard work has of yet succeeded in adding a single day to the limitations of our existence this side of eternity. And so may this be the practice for Hills Baptist Church. May you all continue to come together to describe your lives, to share your lives to give your very lives to one another is the way that Paul described his life enmeshed with the people who he shepherded. But may your trust be in Jesus and that Jesus is Lord. Remind one another that your days are held in God's hands. Word number two. We interrupt with the disruptive conjunction because of what we want to do and who we want to be. We interrupt because of the great gift that has the capacity to be expressed in Christian community as a defining feature. We interrupt because what we believe is available in the riches of Christ's kingdom. A word we must speak to one another and hope for one another and pray for one another. And we must follow our Saviour when we say the word to one another. Let's say it together. Peace. Now, the Greek word for peace is eirene. And in some denominations, the little part in the church service that took place, I think you gave us 21 seconds to do that today, Dave, uh, where, you know, that little part of the church service that some people actually don't go to church to avoid that very part of the church service. Welcome to you online. Um <laughs> Now, now, Ben referenced some more formal denominations, some liturgical uh, traditions. And in those traditions, that little part of the liturgy is actually called the passing of the peace. I don't know if you've heard that before or not, but the reason that we do this as followers of Jesus is because after his resurrection, Jesus came amongst his followers and said, my peace I give to you. He's brought peace back from where he's been and he has the capacity to give that to those who follow him however the problem is that for us peace just means the absence of conflict what do we want peace, what does peace mean just no fighting at home it's a reference to a late 80s TV commercial I think but Peace is just no fighting, no throwing things at each other. I just wish the kids would be peaceful. We need to remember that Jesus was Jewish. And when he came to his disciples and announced peace, he likely would have used the Hebrew word. And he would have said, Shalom. And shalom was, is a word that's not so much about the absence of conflict, but the presence of abundance, joy, favor, blessing, more than enough for everyone and then some. It's not about absence. Shalom, the peace of God is about presence it's the word that should make Christian community attractive it's what gives the there's something different about you Christians reflection from those outside the faith when we are at our best Christ said my peace I give to you Paul said that by inference Christ's work for you is that you would go about the business of peacemaking of reconciliation you know isn't it wonderful that if there's one thing that churches are known for it's that they're full of people who always get along with each other the psalmist having a better day then when he wrote the first one, said, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity for there. The Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. The thing is, if you've ever worked with humans, you might know that we have a tendency to squabble. We say things like don't sweat the small stuff and then we sweat the small stuff. And it's not like that, that is anything new, even amongst churches. Paul spent a lot of time writing to churches who weren't getting along with each other. But he said that conflict had the capacity to destroy you explicitly. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. You know, we've gathered to say and sing and pray words. We do that because words change worlds and words can destroy worlds. We need to remember that, there, that if there really is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, then there is nothing that really should separate us from the love of one another either. Indeed, this should sound familiar to us because it was Jesus who said, this is how you'll be known as my disciples if you love one another. We need to let stuff out and we need to let stuff go. We need to be good at forgiveness as followers of Jesus. So we interrupt each other We learn to say, but, so we can bring the presence of shalom. We shape our lives so we bring at our best, always an unconditional positive regard for the bearer of God's image who is in front of us. We want to want the best for each other. Because then we get to say, then we get the opportunity to say one more word to each other. Well, I'm sure there's lots of words that we say to each other, but at least one more word after we've interrupted and after we've announced peace, after we've brought shalom. And that is the last word I want to leave with you this morning. And that's this word, imagine. And while this word is for everyone... For Nick and for Dave, I want to give it to you especially this morning. I want to bless you with it. I want to commission you with this word, tenfold. Because this is the gift of your work amongst these people, is the gift of pastoral imagination. It's a word that mirrors the regard that we have for words themselves within the tradition of faith to which we belong. Because our tradition begins with the speaking of words with such imaginative potential that tangible reality is altered. When God speaks, there is. This is the power of the Word of God. Let there be, says God, and there is. Creation is brought into being through words. Think about the reality that it's words that set the firm boundaries of the Ten Commandments. As our story transpires, words are the currency, the tools of trade. For our faith forebears, poets acquainted with the meaning of metaphor, prophets whose capacity for imagery and metaphor and verbal barbary were unmatched. It's words that are still the primary tools of trade for pastoral work. And this is your Bunnings. That's a terrible metaphor. Don't follow that example. I mean, at least Adelaide Tools where you get premium things, you know? No Ozito in here. (laughs) At times, the poets and the prophets of Scripture, they actually read like unhinged imagination, their potential power bringing with them always a held tension of accountability and hope, only resolved in faith. But what's most significant, or at least to me, is that they are never articulated or said with anything that could be accused of boring the prophetic imagination the prophetic imagination that brings that to be that is not yet empowered by the spirit that imagination doesn't tend to have an indices or a table of contents or a a map saying you are here this is the art the work of interpreting God given words for the work of shepherding this community we're invited to participate with nothing less than that as our gift because what we say we are, of course, is followers of Jesus. And one of the great New Testament scholars of the last century, G.B. Kedd, he said this about Jesus. He said, Jesus is the heir to the linguistic riches of the prophets and himself a greater theologian and master of imagery than them all. It was Jesus' prophetic imagination, words after all, fashioned into stories so subversive, so offensive to the gatekeepers and the holders of systems of power, attempting to keep the status quo in equilibrium. It was telling stories that Jesus was crucified for. Words change the world. It was a word that began it. It's the word that sustains it. We hold the hope that it's a word that will bring it to completion. And as I said, words remain our primary tool of trade for those who, for what reason, God only knows why, choose to enter this line of work. And there's no shortage of words within the word about how to go about this work need to pay attention to those, but there's so much that is left to your imagination. That's why Paul says to us, to season your words with salt, let them be full of grace. And so, Nick and Dave, as such, may you treat your work as commissioned artists, knowing when to listen when to bend down and draw in the dirt. May you know when to take a nap in a boat in a storm. May you know when to bring up the obscure poetry of one of your ancestors written thousands of years prior. May you know when to speak plainly, when to speak prophetically, when to speak at all. There's much in the role for which you've been commissioned that is plain enough. And there's much that needs also the telling of a story. There's much that gets questioned as you operate within these roles to which there isn't a direct answer and we need to become adept at learning to come through the side door, so to speak. Favorite poet of mine, uh, Emily Dickinson, she describes the task of truth-telling with genius, I think. She says this, Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children ease, with explanation kind of the truth, must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. It's a long race that we're running. Take it easy. So to return to the question with which I started this morning is what, with, in terms of what happens when we gather and we use our words, In the tradition in which we stand, and with the power with which we've been gifted, what happens? What happens is what Paul describes in the book of Ephesians, and what Dave prayed during our time of prayer pre service when he gave this exhortation. He said, Now to him who is able to do slightly more than all we ask. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. I I don't know about you, but I uh, can imagine a lot. And the promise is that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power at work within us. There is this divine participation as we put the divine imagination to work more than we can possibly imagine. When an eternal being, God, joins forces with an eternal community, His church, what's the result? Endless possibilities of grace that come from the outflowing life of God, power released to orient us orientate us in worship to bring order from chaos to welcome with the generosity that can only be described as good news life has the capacity to be richer better closer wiser stronger deeper find your best adjective and times it infinitely and no wonder I am the first word and the last word says Jesus the echo of the command from Deuteronomy. See before you, today I set life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commands, decrees, and laws, and then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering. Today's an entrance and you are blessed. Let me conclude by reminding you and telling you for the first time, if you didn't know, that God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. And the promises that we've had, read and sung and prayed today has the capacity to interrupt any and all circumstances of our life with a but, which makes way for shalom. Shalom. And out of that abundance comes God's imagination of endless possibilities. This is the very de- definition of faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us. We thank you for the gift of your words. May they take on more life and freedom amongst your people than we can possibly imagine as you promised in Jesus' name. All his people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.